I'm Tavis Smiley. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. I asked Miles to start with a little puck because uh, my guest, who I'll introduce here in just a second, and since you know we're live streaming, uh, he's actually in studio. Many of my guests oftentimes are on the phone. Uh, he's in studio, so if you want to watch this conversation, you can just go to our uh, go to our app on your phone and tap on the KBLA TV icon or go to our YouTube channel. Either way, you want to see our guest uh, in conversation with us in the Sarum. He is actually in studio today. But I asked Miles uh, Lowe to play some Pac uh, in part because the very first time I met this brother, um, first time we spent some real time together, was on my BET show. My BET show started, for those who don't know this history right quick, in 1996. So my very first night of uh, hosting BET's first ever late night talk show was called BET Tonight. With Tavis Smiley, my very first night, Whitney Houston was supposed to be my scheduled guest. She was my guest, my scheduled guest for the first night. I don't know if you even know the story, Kevin. Um, I'll introduce Kevin Powell just a second more formally. Uh, but my very first night, Whitney Houston was scheduled to be our guest. And over that weekend, um, after being in the hospital for a number of days, as you all know, you Pac fans, Tupac died on Friday the 13th. Um, why do I know that? Because my birthday is September the 13th. I didn't so Tupac dies. Um, he's in the hospital for days. He dies on September 13th, my actual birthday. And so I uh, could never forget the day that Tupac passed away. That was on Friday. So BET, you know, again, my very first night, they're launching this late night talk show. Uh, Whitney Houston's our scheduled guest. And when Tupac dies over the weekend, everything changes. So we literally had to beg Ms. Houston's forgiveness and cancel her on my very first night. Let me just add, by the way, I never got Whitney back in a 30-year career. (laughs) We tried and tried and tried, and we could never get the dates to work. And then sadly, you know, her life turned and the drug use and everything else. Just, I mean, I I miss Whitney to this day. And we, you know, talked a number of times but never had a chance to do it live on camera in studio. Just could not get the dates and times and places to work out. So the night that I would have talked to Whitney, my very first night, it didn't happen. It didn't happen after that. But Tupac dies over the weekend on that Friday. And my very first night, I was uh, fortunate to have um, just an all-star panel of persons talking about the life and legacy of one Tupac Shakur. Nobody at that time, or even now I think, had written better uh, and uh, had written in a more in-depth way about the life and legacy of Tupac Shakur than Kevin Powell. And so uh, Kevin Powell was invited to be on our panel that night. It was Chuck D and Kevin Powell and Russell Simmons, that's a whole other story which we're going to talk about right now. Kevin remembers that story. He's laughing already. Miles has heard that story. I mean, if you've heard that story about the night that Russell Simmons and I fell out on my very first night. But anyway, it was ugly. Um, It was ugly. But Kevin Powell was there with me on my very first night hosting my very first Mm. national television show. And uh, we've been brothers and friends since that night, September the 16th, 1996. Here we are. Uh, in December of 2022, still friends, still brothers, and I'm honored to have him on this program as well. Uh, in this hour, we'll talk to Kevin Powell about his new book. It's called Grocery Shopping with My Mother. When Kevin Powell's elderly mother became ill, he returned home every week to take her grocery shopping. Walking behind her during those trips, Powell began to hear her voice, uh, stories, and language in a new way, examining his own healing While praying for hers, the acclaimed author, journalist, activist, and filmmaker joins us live in studio right now uh, to discuss his latest book, 
Grocery Shopping with My Mother. Kevin Powell, it's an honor, sir, to see you. How are you, my friend? I'm good. And, you know, Tavis, let me just say this. I mean, that's 26 years ago. It's crazy. It is. It's crazy. And I just want to give you your flowers. Just thank you for all that you have done, you know, through these years uh, uh, in the community, politically, uh, State of Black America stuff that you Mm -hmm. was doing, uh, uh, all the media things you've done, um, because I think it's important to acknowledge people while they are here. So I just want to say I appreciate you and just thank you. And I love that this is in the heart of the community, Mm -hmm. this radio station, my first time here. Uh, Shout out to Dominic DePrima. Thank you, Miles. Thank you, Johnny. (laughs) Uh, uh, Mr. Butler, who I met out there, was very kind to me. I just want to say thank you, Jackie. I want to thank everyone here. But this is powerful. Unapologetically progressive. I love this. No, we. You're, you're kind to say that. I thank you, um, and I appreciate it. And as, as does my team. Uh, we are blessed and honored to do this work every day, uh, and uh, it's an honor to have you uh, in studio. I want to make the most of our time uh, in these uh, now 50 minutes that I have left, um, and I want to start with this. When I, when I when I got the book, um, the thing that just um, uh, blew me away, aside from the picture on the cover. My mother. That's exactly. My mother. Yes, Amazing sir. photo. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But the thing that got me when I opened it up and started uh, reading it um, was this quote on your opening page from the great writer Audre Lorde. Yes. And the quote says, so it is better to speak, remembering we were never meant to survive. So it is better to speak, remembering we were never meant to survive. Hmm. It's a powerful piece, man. It's a powerful, powerful quote from Audre Lorde. Tell me two things. One, why you chose that to put on your title page. And secondly, why that poem, that quote rather, resonates with you. My mama uh, is a product of the South, just mm-hmm. like you are, sir, yep. in, in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And she migrated north like many of us have done or to the West as folks came to California as well and was a single mother with a grade school education and she raised me on welfare, food stamps, government cheese and tenement buildings, the kind of poverty I wouldn't wish on anyone. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of folks who used to say to my mother, I don't know if you're going to make it. I don't know if your son's going to make it. And she instilled in me, Tavis, because my mother was born in 1943. She actually turned 20 on August 28th, 1963. She's a Virgo like you are, mm. Earth sign like you are, mm-hmm. uh, which, as you know, was the March on Washington, Dr. King's mm-hmm. famous I Have a Dream speech. My mother was not a part of the Civil Rights Movement. She caught the spirit of it. And one thing she knew is that if she can get her son an education, then maybe, maybe he'll have a chance. And so I was looking for quotes to start the book, and that Audre Lorde quote just resonated with me. And a lot of folks don't know this. Um, I have a collected writings coming out in a... Uh, um, April next year, mm-hmm. and I will be back here at the LA Times uh, Festival of Books with that. And I actually and, and, and you do Dominique's show at that. point. I'll do Dominique's show at that point. <laughs> and I actually did the very last interview with Audrey Law before she died via telephone back I, in '93. I, I did not know that for Emerge Mag. Remember Emerge Mag? I, I do. Jo- George Curry. George Curry. Yeah, I remember George. Curry. I did the last interview. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, now you got me going. You did the last interview with the Audrey Lord. With the Audrey Lord. What was that experience like? That, what was that like? She was dying of cancer. She was coughing on the phone. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I mean, we all were young. We were young people back then, you yeah. know, much younger. And um, she said, it's important for me to do this interview. I don't want to get off this phone. Uh, I have the audio. I have the full audio. And I, I, it was incredible. You know, I'll never forget it. But I just, uh, she told me about her life as a mother, as, as a woman, uh, as, as a lesbian, as, mm-hmm. a, as a poet, as a journalist, an essayist, all the things that she had to deal with, the racism, the homophobia, the sexism, all of it. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it, she educated me in that interview. Um, I, I, I still get chills thinking about it. And I just, um, 
I've said to myself, I want to honor her in different ways and I had an opportunity with this book, that, with mm-hmm. this quote. You know, it just came to me because I said that speaks to, she was a single mother. Yeah, my yeah. mother is a single mother. So yeah. I want to shout out single black women out there, single mothers. That must have been a full circle moment for you. Oh, yeah. Um, to put Audrey Lord's quote on your book or in your book when you had a chance to interview her as her last conversation. Well, I mean, you know, Tavis, because I've, I've, you've interviewed so many people. It's like when you sit here, you know, and literally, I can't wait to bring the book to you and Dominic in the station. Like, yeah. In that book, I have Audre Lorde, I, I, I have Bell Hooks, I have mm-hmm. I have Dave Chappelle, I have Tupac, I got a whole bunch of people. I mean, and you don't think about when you're in the middle of it, but I think it's important sometimes to just like, let me pause for a second and see what I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an incredible body. I mean, that's why I said mm-hmm. I got to give you your flowers while you're here, because what we're really doing, uh, we're keepers of memory. We're recording history as it's happening. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I also, I know that um, what I, I, man, how do I say this? When I was a young person and I would read books by Dominic's father, Mary Baraka, sure, or, sure. or 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 Langston Hughes, or I said, let me make sure that as young people come behind me, they actually know it's not just Kevin Powell, but I stand on the shoulders of Audre Lord. I stand mm-hmm. on the shoulders of the folks who came before me, Nikki Giovanni, folks like that. So that's why I also make sure that I put writers in there, black writers in there like that, so people can know those reference points. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in this book, and I'm going I'm to uh, press up on my friend Kevin Powder, maybe read something from it as we move through the hour. Yes, sir. A great deal to talk about. He has um, uh, has been and still is a journalist extraordinaire, has talked to so many people. Uh, in the course of his career, and I'm honored to be um, reunited with him again on this program on KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match. Our guest in this hour is my friend and brother Kevin Powell. His new book is called Grocery Shopping with My Mother. I am delighted to have him here. Um, Let me just give you the microphone. Uh, Tell me the story of... um, why you started visiting your mother every week, which becomes, of course, the genesis for the text. Well, uh, uh, somewhere uh, around the time that Donald Trump started to ascend in this country, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I would yeah. say, Oof, we can talk about that for days. Yeah, Lord, mother, Lord help us all, right? Yes, sir. My, my mother got <laughs> sick, and I'm an only child, yeah. you know. Um, uh, and I, it's a deep phenomenon, as you know, brother, to go from being the child to kind of becoming the parent, the mm-hmm. caretaker. Mm-hmm. And one thing, my mother couldn't even... Um, um, get to the grocery store and I literally had to take her to the grocery store every week because she, she's old school stubborn she's like I want to go to school. I said mom we can have it delivered to you now I want no food directly I don't want no whole food I want no nothing delivered mm-hmm. to me I want the food I want to go pick it out myself mm-hmm. and so that began the process and what my mother didn't know Tab is that a lot of times when I was walking behind her I was literally crying because I mean my mother is the first teacher I ever met, the first leader I ever met. You know, I mean, I owe my, I mean, you know, brother, when you got a parent from the South, I was up at five in the morning. You got to work hard. You know, she had me, she started picking cotton in South Carolina when she was eight years old. I started bagging groceries when I was eight years old because my mom said, you got to start working. I was like, now? She said, now. <laughs> <laughs> You know how it is, brother. <laughs> it ain't going to be cotton, but you're going to do something at 88 years old, yeah. I mean, you know, when, <laughs> brother, when we talk about your life, I know we're talking about my book for a second, but it's like I can see your roots by how hard you have worked historically since I've known you since mm-hmm. 1996 because that's ingrained in us. We can't take anything for granted. And I, I feel like, too, when we talk about our families, you know, we owe it to our parents, even though my relationship with my mother is complicated because she's yeah. she's another world and there's a lot of stuff we don't agree on, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But, um. I'm like, you know, I wouldn't be here for her. And so it forced me to think about her, my relationship with her. I thought about my father, who I didn't really know. I saw him a couple times until I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. My mother always says she's my mother and my father. um, But she also raised me like you have to be a different kind of man, even though she couldn't quite tell me exactly what that should look like. Mm -hmm. I had to kind of figure that out on my own and having male mentors and stuff like that. But it was a painful process. And and, and my mother ended up in the hospital for the first time since she gave birth to me. So you can imagine what that felt Mm -hmm. like. And a lot of folks, folks know what I'm talking about out there. If you've lost a mother or 
father, parent, and a grandmother, grandfather, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. And I just said, I just need to be here with her. And thank God she's still here, yeah. you know. And um, I just started writing stuff on social media tabs. I would post to Instagram or Twitter. I'm grocery shopping with my mother. And what I didn't realize is that people were relating to my posts. Mm -hmm. It was not, this book was not intended. This is my 15th book. Yeah. I literally have not written a poetry book. This is my first poetry book in 14 years. I, man, and it just kind of came out of me. And, you know, for me, uh, as a writer, you know, someone who grew up uh, loving Nikki Giovanni, Maya Angelou and, 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 and Baraka and Langston and all those folks I mentioned earlier, writing is healing. I mean, you've written books. You know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like making sense of the chaos of the world. And, and it started off about my mother. The first and last poems are long poems about my mother. But inside of that is what's happening in America. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And so we talk about the racism. We talk about a lot of the stuff that we have to go through. And then also as a black man, a, a black male, I've thought a lot about my own healing journey. I was like, you know, writing is a way for us to express stuff. I mean, Tavis, I have a document. My first film is coming out next year as well. And it's about black manhood mm -hmm. and the need for black males to express themselves mm -hmm. and what we go through and the traumas that we have to deal with. You know what I'm saying? So all of that is in this book all 36 poems and it's been a uh, it was a labor of love but i'm, I'm very proud of it and as, as you as y'all were celebrating the first black mayor uh black woman mayor that's in right. la that's we right. were at post and beam on saturday and it was packed yeah it was beautiful and i said this is um this is for poetry it was shocking and um i realize now this poetry book is really kind of like a poetic memoir if you will it, it's about my mother but it's also about me um, I honor Sidney Portier in the book. I honor Cicely Tyson in the book. These are elders that we've lost. I honor Bell Hooks in the book. Different people like that. Um, but I, at the end of the day, it's really about us and, 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 and how we move forward as a people, given all we've been through. You know, you said a few things, more than a few things. And I want to follow you in this conversation and yes, get sir. you to unpack some of the, yes, those sir. things right quick. L let me start with this. First of all, you talk about the roots, my roots and your roots. Yes, sir. My mind went to our mutual friend and brother, Cornel West. Yes. Dr. West has a great line. I, he, he said it to me many times and I've, I've taken it as my own. He says, our roots determine our roots. Mm. The R-O-O-T-S. Yes, sir. Determine the R-O-U-T-S. Yes, sir. Our roots determine our roots or our routes, if you prefer. Right. That's only Cornel West can come up with that, right? <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's a great line. Yes, sir. So you, 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 if, if I can see your R-O-O-T-S, right. then I got a good idea. That's right. Of what your R-O-U-T-E-S yeah. might look like. Yeah. Uh, or certainly, if I see it looking in reverse, yeah. the roots yeah. make you know, make 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 great sense. So I thought about that when you mentioned the roots. Number one, number two. Let me ask you right quick. Um, what was you got a documentary coming out, a film film coming out about black manhood? Yeah. Uh, and I want to ask right quick what the journey was like for you, because there's always these conversations about can a black woman raise a man? Mm. It takes a man to raise a man. You've you've heard this stuff of course. Know, for years. But there's so many single moms listening, I'm sure, right now. That's right. Um, what say you about your particular journey of finding your way into your manhood, being raised as an only child by a black woman? Whew, brother. That, that's, that's a book, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that could be your 16th book. That could be my 16th <laughs> book. I, um, she did the best she could. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. faith, I mean, you've, you've, you've used that word in your, yeah. your career, faith. Yeah. Um, work hard, and she stressed education, never stop learning. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. Um, I didn't even know black history until I got to college. I went to Rutgers University on a financial mm -hmm. aid package back in the 80s, Tavis, and I didn't know any of the, I didn't know black folks were radio personalities. I didn't know mm -hmm. black folks were writers, nothing. Unfortunately, as you know, with our generation, unless you went had a mom or daddy or a school that told you about black history, my school education, we stopped at the World War II. We never even got the Civil Rights Movement. Mm -hmm. So what began the process for me, I knew that I was 
longing for a father figure. And my father, when I was eight years old, in that book also that you hold, you have right there, I have a, an apology poem to my father, a forgiveness poem to my father. I saw that, yeah. It took a long time. It took me into my 50s to get there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, because uh, of that father hole, you know what I mean? And a lot of fathers out there, it's just real simple, show up. What we hear in the film that we got coming out next year, people kept saying, what do we need black men to do? Fathers, just be there mm-hmm. in some form. Well, college changed me. Uh, I read the Autobot from Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. That changed me. Mm-hmm. I started learning black history, you feel what I'm saying? And I started learning about all these incredible figures in black history. And I just, you know, the first campaign I ever worked on was Reverend Jesse Jackson's campaign in 1984. I'm a teenager, you know what I mean? I didn't know a black person. I didn't, I didn't know about Charlie Chisholm in 72. had no idea about that. But you can imagine what it felt like seeing a black man. From the outhouse, from the outhouse to the White House. <laughs> hands that pick cotton will now pick a president. You brother, know about Pennsylvania Avenue. Brother. But you don't know about Cheney Street. Brother. Born in the slum, but the slum wasn't born in me. Think about it like this. <laughs> Malcolm told me the importance of reading. Reverend Jackson, man, that's why I majored in political science in college. Because yeah. he was running for president of the United States. Yeah. You know, And I remember distinctly watching, and as a teenager, his uh, speech at the Democratic National Convention Ooh, in San Francisco. He, he killed it. He killed he it. He killed it. So what I found myself doing, which is what a lot of black males are doing, have yeah. done throughout, if, if we don't have those figures in life, you look for black manhood from different angles. Who yeah. are the black men I can look up to? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what it was for me. And, 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 and you know, you mentioned hip-hop. I mean, Chuck D was so important. Chuck D ain't that much older than us, but mm-hmm. when Public Enemy was Public Enemy, you know, that meant something to me. I mm-hmm. mean, when I've heard Fight the Power for the first time, Spike Lee, watching his movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's what John Singleton, my, our late brother John Singleton, and um. Yes. You know, one of my upcoming books is a box for Tupac Shakur. John gave me one of my last, I got one of the last interviews John did for the Tupac book. And John talked about the impact of seeing a black man, Spike Lee, making movies that made him want to do movies, but from his perspective Mm -hmm. as a Californian. So black men need examples that we can look up to. And that's why I said, again, you're flowers because you don't have any idea, Tavis, how many people have heard you on the radio, seen you on TV, who said, I want to do that. And here I am. People, young brothers come up to me, I want to be sure. a writer like you. Sure. And so we need to see examples we can model, you know, and that's mm-hmm. important. How, how, how did, I've got two minutes before news and, yes, and sports and we'll continue on the other side. But how, how did writing become your muse? Since I was a kid, I used to yeah. draw first as a kid. I love visual oh, you, oh, art. you drew first? I, as a little boy, I drew, but my mama took me to the library. I was eight years old. I'm a huge sports fan to this day. The first books I read were sports books, and then I, 11 years old, going back to the library. Like, I just, are, are, are you a Knicks fan like Spike? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> since you since you read the Spike, I thought I'd go there. Yeah. I'm going to shout out Magic Johnson and the Lakers. There um, you go. I was at Kobe's memorial when he passed. Wow. There's a poem in a book about, about Kobe. Kobe. There is, about exactly. Kobe. Yep. Right. I mean, yep. I'm a, I was... I'm a I'm I'm with greatness and excellence. Let me yeah. just say the Knicks don't go. represent excellence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Spike ain't in here right about now. But go ahead. That's go my ahead. brother. Shout yeah, out to yeah. Brooklyn, my Brooklyn brother. But I yeah. um, writing is something I did. Teachers are important. My 12th grade English teacher, rest in peace, Mrs. Lillian Williams, in my hometown in Jersey City, saw something to me. I want to. She made me enter an essay contest. I want it. I, that was the first time I thought I could be a writer, but my yearbook in high school, when I graduated, said accountant. I got the Rutgers anti-apartheid movement. That's when the activism and the writing kicked in. The two mm-hmm. things happened at the same time. I fell in love with Langston and Malcolm, and I was like, I want to see if I can merge these two together, Malcolm X and Langston Hughes. Yeah. 15 books later, here I am. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot right quick. Um, name for me, I'm not even going to say the three, but name for me three of your most impactful interviews. You've interviewed so many people. We mentioned Audrey Lord earlier. Give me just three of the most impactful interviews in your career. Um, right before COVID hit, I spent two or three months with Stacey Abrams, Washington Post Magazine, May 2020. Mm-hmm. Tupac Shakur prison interview right when he was going to jail for Vibe Magazine cover story. I remember that well, brother. Woo! And, yeah. you know, um, the third one, my, 
actually, Esquire magazine, I did a cover. I was the only print journalist allowed to interview Dave Chappelle when he left his Comedy Central show. So there's a cover story in Dave Chappelle I did in May 2006 for Esquire that people should look up. It's called Heaven Hell, mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle. I'm actually really proud of it because it's it's, it covers his whole life. Yeah. People don't realize Dave, well, you know, Dave comes from a family of educators Absolutely. and activists Absolutely. and all of that, which yeah. is, informs his comedy. Mm-hmm. So those three are the ones I think no. about. You done it. You done it all, man. You done it all, and I'm glad to be able to do it to you <laughs> today. You. Ask you some wow. questions. His name is Kevin Powell. His book is called Grocery Shopping with My Mother. Uh, we ain't got even deep into this thing yet. We're going to after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580. Looking for legitimate political discourse without the bear spray? Tune in and speak out. KBLA Talk 1580. Our guest is Kevin Powell, and he's the author of a new book, his 15th. It's called Grocery Shopping with My Mother. We'll get into it in just a second here. Sometimes, as I say all the time, the best parts of this radio show are in the, are in the break. And we were talking in the break about resiliency, about black men being resilient. And you were about to say something to me. So since we're back on the air live now, the audience can hear whatever you're about to say to me in our private conversation. Well, brother, um, I love you. Yeah, I, I love need you to say that. Man. And, um, you know, this book... Grocery shopping with my mother, uh, by the grace of God. Just a couple of years ago, um, I was in a bad situation. Um, Let's go back to 2020. Kobe dies Mm -hmm. tragically and his daughter Gigi and seven other people here on the West Coast. And I was profoundly affected by it. I've also been profoundly affected by the number of black men that we've lost. uh, Him, Chadwick Boseman, uh, particularly brothers in their 40s and 50s, not making it to 50 or 60. You know, many of them preventable things. I went through a very deep divorce, literally in the middle of COVID, literally got divorced and had to hold up my uh, divorce papers to a computer screen just to say, okay, I I signed the paper. I lost everything. I ended up bankruptcy for the second time in my life, barely held on from a fought fought off eviction, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Deeply depressed, deep depression. And I I bring that up because it's not the first time in my life I've been through this. You know, when you interviewed me, you didn't, what you didn't know when you interviewed me uh, on your very first show on BET back in 96 when Pac died, I had been fired from Vive magazine in May of 1996. And I was in the middle, I don't drink, I'm a vegan brother, Mm. but I was in the middle of a drunken stupor for about five or six years because we lost Tupac in 96 and then we lost Biggie six months later Mm. and there was all this craziness with East Coast, West Coast and I was at Vibe Magazine our brother Quincy Jones who created Vibe Magazine Mm -hmm. deep depression because what we don't talk about about is is the stuff that's thrown at black men Mm -hmm. and black women but I'm speaking specifically brother to brother and and, and how it seems like the, the racism tries to destroy us from every single angle and there's a few times where I just wanted to give up brother and I'm gonna tell you in 2020 as I sat in my apartment in Brooklyn I really wanted to give up because it is hard especially when you lose everything and people take things away from you or assume you got everything Mm. you know what I'm saying Tavis Smiley and you know one of my brothers and I believe one of my brothers in September of 2020 committed suicide. A brother who graduated from USC film school, went to school with Ryan Coogler and Steve Capel, mm-hmm. successful filmmakers. Mm-hmm. He killed himself right here in L.A. in the midst of all that stuff. The last time we spoke was in August of 2020 when Chavik died. And what you don't know is that I knew Chavik when he came out of Howard University. I worked with Chavik in a theater scene in New York, and I followed his whole journey. And I interviewed Chavik. I did a cover story. You asked me interviews that I did. I did a cover story for British GQ on Chavik Bozeman, and he was still the same humble Mm. brother in spite of Black Panther, the original Black Panther, making a billion dollars worldwide. Had no idea this brother had cancer. Mm. You know what I mean? And what saved me, Tavis, and why I'm here to promote this book and I was able to write this book Mm. 400 years of what we've had to deal with in this country 
you know, from being kidnapped from Africa, being brought here, made into subhumans. Why have I been able to forgive my father? Because I realized my father was just doing what we were taught on those plantations, just be a breeder, mm. not realizing you should be a whole man. Mm. You know what I mean? And what I have fought for my entire life to have is and when you see this film next year uh, about black manhood is that we live in a society, a world, you know, in spite of all we have given here, what you've given in the media, in the community, in politics, what I've done as a writer, as an activist, we literally have built this country. You know, there's no music without us. There's no food without us. There's no technology without us. There's no, no, no literature without us. You know, we still, there's no sports without us. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. We literally have, have created so much and we still have to, one of the things in the film You'll see it, brother, when it comes out. It's called When We Free the World. We pull back from 1968, that whole sign, I am a man. And I realized, you asked me earlier, how have I tried to figure out as a black man, you know, how to be a man, my history, looking at black men like you, like Miles, you know, like Mr. Butler, like my publicist, you know, just like, just talking with each other. Because you never know how your story is the same story as the person sitting across from you, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, but by the grace of God, you said it when we were off the air, Tavis. I mean, man, listen, when I, um, we had a big celebration here in LA on this past weekend in, in New York. And when people showed up, man, I, there've been many times when I thought my career was over, brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I, my 15 books, some of the books probably sold two copies, yeah. honestly, you know, but, um, what has kept me going is my mama, I'm like, man, if my mother can take that grade school education and produce a son who's created books and been around the world, I can't give up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I see uh, you getting emotional. I'm about to get emotional with you because I feel the same way about my mother. Um, when I was going through my drama. Um, and But you're here, brother. Yeah, and I You're was, here. I was in court every day for three weeks of this trial uh, on this PBS matter, and my mother insisted that she be with me every day and she sat in that courtroom every day for three weeks and sometimes the testimony was so 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 rough for her that she would sit in the hallway right but she never abandoned me for three weeks every day at trial and when i saw her strength and her love i was like i don't know what's going to happen when this trial's over with i don't know if i'll ever make it back if i'll ever get back in the media business again um but what I what I realized watching her mm. is that as black men we can never let misery have the last word. No, moment. no, ever. What you don't know, because mine wasn't public like yours. Yeah. Um, I uh, my first wife got an ugly email a few years back, about four or five years ago, um, and she didn't know how to deal with it. I responded to it, and the person that I responded to knew me from MTV's The Real World, mm. Vibe Magazine, all these books, you know, they, they they think we're all rich. I was sued. We were on trial in Minnesota of all places. I was literally on trial, brother. It's in my previous book, uh, When We Free the World. It's the last essay in there. It was a white sister who sued us, for sued me for defamation for like some crazy astronomical, half a million to a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Brother, while on tra- sitting there, this white sister got up on the stand. She's manipulated by this lawyer who saw me as a lottery ticket for her. Mm-hmm. She said, this is my Me Too moment. I didn't know her. I had never encountered her. But And, and in that moment, and she said that I feel like I was raped. Now, I'm a pro-feminist black man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and you've written about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in that moment, I felt like Emmett Till. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Little did I know that within two years, George Floyd would be killed in that same city that I was on trial in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing I'm saying is, you know, a lot of people don't realize how dangerous it is to be a black man in this country. Mm-hmm. I ain't saying I'm perfect. I own my mistakes. But I am saying that there's a certain kind of danger that people feel about us that, you know, it, it comes from all different angles. And so I, I I think about that, you know, a lot when I see brothers going through stuff like what you went through and what I've been through. And particularly if you're in a public space the way we've been for a so long time, people take shots from every, every angle. Every angle, man. And you really realize who your they, real friends are. They got more angles than Steph Curry. Brother. <laughs> and you realize who your real friends are. Yeah. You realize who your real friends are. Yeah. And your real friends are the people who are here with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's something I had to I had to learn. I mean, it even destroyed. I would say that situation even destroyed my marriage because even that was mm-hmm. gone after that point. But you know, I'm glad that you're here, brother, because um, my friend, my brother friend, he gave up, and a lot of us, some of us, give up by committing suicide. Oh man! Some of us, you know, like I used to do, I used to drink my blues away. You know what I mean? Hardcore. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean you're in, I mean, you're in the those deep dark places. Yeah. I, I don't care who you are. Yeah. I don't care how resolute you are, how yeah. successful you have been. Yeah. Uh, when you're in those deep, dark places, those thoughts come in your mind, man. It does, brother. It, uh, can, I, can I get a witness? Amen, brother. Those thoughts <laughs> come into your mind. And you're right. It it can be so easy to just give up because, yeah. because you ask yourself, how will I ever make it back? Yeah, yeah. How will I ever ma- how will I ever get back? It ain't about being famous. It's about doing the thing that God put you here to do. Your calling. And, and your calling, your vocation, your purpose. And if you say... If you can't see a way to get back to doing what you were put here to do, yeah, then you ask yourself, why? Well, why am I here? Now? Why am I here? Why? St- why stick around? But I believe, brother Tavis Smiley, that racism wins when black men give up. Mm. Racism wins every time we give up, mm. and I had to, I had to, I had to fight back, brother. I had to fight back and say that I'm not going to give up, and, and you know, it's deep. You know, I believe that my brother, Tariq is his name, Jackson, committed suicide. He saved my life. I believe that George Floyd and Breonna Taylor saved my life. So crazy as it may sound, you know, but those things put a battery in my back that I need to have there. Like, have you got to keep going, brother. You can't yeah. give up. And it was something about the, the, the profoundness of how George Floyd died, man. I, I just, whew. Can you imagine being kneed to death for nine minutes, screaming, screaming for your mama? The way you got your mama or had your mama, the way I got my mama, had my mama, and your life is just being sucked out of you, man. And it's just like there was something about that. And then a few months later, brothers, you probably know, the real world, the folks who created the real world that I was on did a reunion mm-hmm. episode, a reunion series, about five or six episodes on Paramount, whatever it is called, Paramount Screaming, some Paramount Plus. Yeah. And Tavis, I've never had so many white people apologize to me for how they originally felt about me. Mm-hmm. What black man do you know will have folks who called you all kinds of names apologize to you? But it was only because of what they witnessed with George Floyd. You see what I'm saying? It's deep being a black man in America. He became a star many, many years ago on MTV's The Real World, and he's gone on to do some great work in the real world since then, including his latest book, number 15. It's called Grocery Shopping with My Mother. I knew this conversation was going to get rich. Wow. Not not this deep, but I <laughs> knew. When Kevin Powell shows up, man, it's going to be a rich dialogue. We'll continue when we come forward on KBLA Talk 15. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. Our guest is Kevin Powell. His book is called Grocery Shopping with My Mother, and I've asked him to read a piece from the book. Kevin Powell, 36 poems, 36 brilliant poems in this text. Which one are you going to read for? Dear Kobe by Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, I was deeply affected by what happened to him, and I was there at this, 
Crypto.com now. I still call it the Staples Center <laughs> when they uh, had oh, the yeah. memorial for him. I still do. I do too as well. Yeah, yes, yeah. sir. Dear Kobe, their eyes were watching for you the way they watched for Jesus Shuttleworth and Malcolm X and Nipsey Hussle over on Slauson and Crenshaw. They came in cars, on planes, by bus, by grit. They got there by foot. They were in wheelchairs. Their sandpaper palms, grip canes, and walkers. They were slouching baby boomers, salt and pepper haired Gen Xers, tattoo faced millennials. They be Beyonce and Jimmy Kimmel, and seven feet ballers who crushed the ground like jolly green giants. They marched all over with purple and yellow gold steamed to their chests. They marched through the misty sense of downtown Los Angeles, the way 20th century Europeans marched from freedom ships to Ellis Island, the way 21st century immigrants marched from Mexico into the barbed wire borders of the promised land, the way chocolate leg country dwellers marched from Mississippi to the salty beaches and sleepy hoods of California. A massive army of humanity hemmed up block after block, looking for the Staples Center, looking for the angel in America who got a city of billions around the world saying, your name, Kobe. The lines of flesh speed text as police and arena workers shoot people to move like you moved on the basketball court. A black mamba, yes, but also an African ballet dancer who broke loose the chains of plantations and copied and pasted Beethoven and basketball with Biggie and Beverly Hills as your body leaped and lunged into the open mouths of nameless ancestors who done seen some things. And them ancestors blew Michael Jordan and Dr. J and your daddy and your mama in Philadelphia and Japan and Italy and the Holy Ghost of Dizzy and Coltrane into your veins. Just means the people marching to be like you, Kobe, and they be white, black, Latinx, Asian, Native American, Pacific Islander, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, atheist, agnostic, this gender, that gender, no gender. They be Kendricks, cool hip hop. They be Sinatra's cool jazz. They be Lakers marching jelly beans with Amy Winehouse and Marilyn Monroe as you, Kobe, and you, Gianna, wax poetic with John, John Lennon and Marvin Gaye about love, love, love. They be a rainbow coalition of thousands marching you mid-range jumpers and 360-degree dunks as they scrape field hollers and spirituals in your blues from your veins, from their veins, Kobe, wearing number eight, wearing number 24, wearing Gianna's number three. Number two, I'm sorry, street hustlers selling T-shirts, posters, clipped and clipped memories of you, putting an entire nation on your shoulders, winning five championships, teaching us the magic of the Mamba mentality, teaching us and telling us to keep shooting even when the odds are slanted like that cloudy hillside in heaven. You be heaven to us, Kobe, because you never gave up. That's why they come to you like you are a saint, a king, royalty, yeah, a political leader, yeah, a self-help guru, yeah, a storyteller, yeah. They come to you because you could trespass a basketball through the smashed windows of centuries of dreams denied. They come to you because you crumbled in front of us and got back up and confessed and apologized and sculpted yourself into a husband, a lover, a father, a girl's dad. Vanessa Bryant's multilingual soulmate, her tears, her words, the biblical permission to we need to release your joyful angel wings into the healing arms of the Pacific. Kobe, 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 forever, forever, forever. Kobe Bean Bryant. Thank you. Our guest is Kevin Powell. 35 more brilliant pieces just like that, just like that uh, in his new book, Grocery Shopping with My Mother. Our remaining moments with Kevin Powell when we come forward. Conversations that matter. matter. 
You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Kevin Powell had an amazing book signing. A few hundred people over at uh, Post and Beam, not too far from the station the other day on Saturday. Uh, I sadly could not get there because we were hanging out with some woman named Karen Bass. (laughs) (laughs) History, history, history. We had a big event for uh, Karen Bass, the mayor, uh, officially today. So I couldn't get to his signing, um, but I uh, delight in him coming in the studio today before he leaves town, headed back home to Brooklyn. Um, But Malik's Books, Uh, you all know Malik Books. Uh, We love Malik Books. They sponsor this station. So Malik Books, we thank you. Uh, There are some autographed copies of this book, Grocery Shopping with My Mother. If you're in L.A., there are some autographed copies of this at Malik Books. So the book you can get anywhere. You can order it. You can buy it. But if you want an autographed copy, he uh, was uh, smart enough and kind enough to sign some uh, that are still for sale at Malik Books here in Los Angeles. If you want to get a copy of Grocery Shopping with My Mother by Kevin Powell. I've got three minutes left. Let me ask you a few questions. One, what's your mama say about the book? Boy, stop putting our business in a book. (laughs) (laughs) You know how black folks are. (laughs) (laughs) Stop putting all our business in the streets, boy. But you know what? Um, it's a love poem to my mother. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and God bless her. And I've been blessed to be a writer. And I mean, I don't take it for granted. Like yeah. I said, my mama got great school education. My grandmother could not read or write. And I did find out some things about my dad. I didn't know my father was dead for 10 years after he had died. And I, I, I did not know until after he was dead that he was illiterate, yeah. which is deep. You yeah. know, and he had yeah. fled the South, South Carolina, because he had gotten to South with a, right, a white brother down there. You know how it was back. And a lot mm-hmm. of people would just flee. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that's where I got some of my spirit from, from both my mama and my daddy. So, yeah. yeah. Um, T- tell me, tell me, you, and you've written. And what I love about you and your and your particular gift Thank is you. that you've 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 expressed it in a variety of ways: short form pieces, long yes, form sir. pieces, haikus, yes, sir. fifteen books. I mean, you in, in any way one can write. Wow, you have done that. Um, but tell me for uh, for you, why poetry? Why why why, why does that a particular vein wow. work for you? It's the most liberation, liberating uh, form of writing I've ever done. I can just, I ain't got to worry about punctuation. You can see, ain't no capitalization, yeah. half the poems, that kind of <laughs> stuff. And I know the rules yeah. as they we were taught and drilled into us in school. But um, sure. I just feel free. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even though he may, you know, I, I don't know if he listens to the stage. I'm sure he has. You probably have had him here already. Smokey Robinson is one of my favorite poets he, ever. He, he's, been, he's been on this program, brother. Mm-hmm. Let him know I love him. And mm-hmm. man, I met him in a vegan restaurant in D.C. And I put my mom on the phone. That's how much me, and my mama love him. <laughs> But when you listen to My Girl, the yeah. lyrics to My Girl, Temptation Song, that's poetry. And mm-hmm. poetry is a simple language, and that's why I love poetry so much. This ain't going to be my last poetry book. It's been 14 years, but I can guarantee it won't be 14 years again. Yeah. Yes, sir. Now, Smokey, he's the best man. Yes. When it, when it, comes, to, it comes to songwriting. Yes. He's, he's, if there were a Mount Rushmore for songwriting, that's right. Smokey's on it. That's right. We agree that's on it. that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, uh, he's my favorite songwriter ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bob Dylan called him the greatest American poet. And that's yeah. a, he said poet. He said poet, and that's because yeah. it's just accessible language. And I wanted to. And Langston Hughes. Why do I write in so many genres? Langston Hughes. I yeah. saw him doing it. I said I want to be like that. And so this is actually going. This book is going to actually become a play. Mm-hmm. I'm working on that. And the Grammys just created a spoken word poetry category that's going to include folks who make poetry with music. Think about the Watts Prophets mm-hmm. in the Legend Group or Last Poets. And mm-hmm. so I'm actually going to be working on a spoken word album next year with the same title as well. So it's a few things I'm going to do with this. Yeah. As you can see, he's a busy brother um, with, with, with plans. Uh, and uh, I, you, can I, this station, KBLA. Mm-hmm. This is what it's about to have is build something for the community. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ownership. No, that's what it's about, man. But I am, uh, let me just close. This conversation we had earlier got so deep, and I didn't expect that or see it going there. But I want to just say to you as I look you in the eye. Yes, sir. Um, that I am grateful to you. Thank you. I'm grateful, grateful to you. Grateful for you. Thank you. 
and I'm glad that both you and I are still here. Yes, sir. We got we got more work to do. I'm going to 100. You going to join me at the age of 100? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hang with you. We at least got to do Harry and Sidney Poitier. Get yeah, to our yeah, 90s. You got to beat them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> beat, beat them. <laughs> His name is Kevin Powell, a uh, brilliant writer. Love you, brother. Love you. Good to have you come in studio. The book is called Grocery Shopping with My Mother. If you want an autographed copy, go on down to Malik Books. They've got some there. That's our show for today. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it just half as much as I did, particularly, especially this last hour my dear brother Kevin Powell. Uh, back here tomorrow morning, Lord willing to do it all over again, 9 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific time. Uh, time now to make room for the KBLA Midday Money Chain. Up next, the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson to be followed by Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts. Old money, new money, it don't matter. We got you covered here on KBLA Talk 1580. Until tomorrow morning, Lord willing, thanks for tuning in. And as always, keep the faith.